0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for, but find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today, well, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year with a special message of hope from Pastor Sean. Many people today have a view that we're living in dark times and they carry with them a dark perspective. Yet the message of Advent is a message of hope. This message is called Finding Hope, as seen on the sermon page at reallife.org. It's time for Radio for Real Life.
1: Remember what Paul wrote First 1 Corinthians 13? Three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. But <laughs> when you stop and think about it, love, God is love. You talk about faith. By grace you're saved through faith. It's a gift of God. And then he includes hope. Hope's one of those big three that will remain. We have got to be people of hope. Now, a couple observations about hope for us just to think about. One, hope is always rooted in a promise. Okay? You're not gonna have hope if you don't have some basis, some foundation. Yes, there, is, there can be just blind optimism, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about true hope that is rooted in a promise, and that's what Jeremiah brought to God's people. Yes, things are hard. Yes, there are things that are dark. Yes, you're gonna go through some consequences, You're even going to experience some judgment. But God hasn't forgotten. God's with you. God promises to bring bring hope. In fact, it was Jeremiah who brought one of the great promises that we quote a lot. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. These are promises that God's given. Hope is rooted in promises, God promises to deliver. I just want to address the idea that sometimes I think people think our hope is, is rooted in blind faith. I hate that phrase. I don't, I don't think that's a, an accurate phrase. I do think you, you accept the Lord on faith, but I don't think it's blind faith. I think it's a type of vision. I think it's a type of understanding. And let me tell you, when you begin to follow the Lord and you begin to experience walking with him, your faith continues to be built and your hope continues to be built. It's not blind faith. Our hope, there, there's two things. It's, it's what did God say? What did He promise? And is He up to it? Can He deliver? Those are the two questions you've got to address. What did God say? And can He deliver? And as you walk through, as you walk through life with him, as you test him, as you step out in faith and walk in the promises of God, and you experience his presence and his blessing, you begin to become a voice and you become a cheerleader for the fact that, yes, God can deliver. Our hope isn't blind. It's based on who God is and what he's done. Tell you, my hope is not simply based on, well, I hope, you know, kind of 50-50, I guess it's better than gloom. My hope is based on who I know God to be, what his word has said, and what I've seen him do. We think about some of the promises of God. I love this one, Acts 3.19. Repent then, turn to God, so your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. In Jesus we have forgiveness, in Jesus we have freedom. And I love that phrase, times of refreshing. Could you use some refreshing of spirit? Could you use some... Renewal and refreshing in your mind, in your heart. All kinds of things God promised. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, I will provide for you. He says, says, Father knows what you need before you ask. Do you trust these promises? Do you really? And I know theologically we say, well, of course, yes. Why would I be sitting in church if I didn't believe the promises of God? I'd be out enjoying the beautiful weather. By the way, way to go, you guys, for coming out today. God bless you. Some of your faint-hearted friends are at home like it's raining. What do we do? I'm glad you're here. The question is is he trustworthy? I mean I know theologically we claim we profess to believe, but the question is what does my behavior say? Because there were people among Jeremiah's contemporaries who claimed to believe in God, but their behavior and their decisions said something different. The problem is they forgot about God. And I'm afraid we can get forgetful if we're not careful. See, they forgot about Abraham. They forgot about what God did through Abraham. They forgot about Moses, how God delivered his people from Egypt. They forgot about King David and what God did through him. They forgot about Solomon. And they desperately needed to remember I want to challenge us. I think this time of year, we above all people should celebrate. You know, I know it's kind of popular to buy a humbug Christmas, and there is lots of commercialism, lots of stress, lots of stuff that's been tagged on. I want to encourage you, don't buy into any of that. Just say no. Just say no. But don't say no to celebrating the coming of Christ. Don't say no to celebrating Emmanuel, God with us. I remember, not just as a kid, but even when I was starting out in ministry, I, I always saw Christmas as an opportunity, because I think people would slow down, even people who weren't believers, and as they sang the carol, Silent Night, Joy to the World, O Come All You Faithful, there would be this sense of kind of looking up a little bit. Even if they weren't believers, and even if it didn't change things long-term, there was a season where people would stop and kind of look up a little bit and think, you know, maybe. Maybe. And I'm sad to say the kind of aggressive, militant secularization that has happened, and and I think the intimidation that we as followers of Jesus Christ have accepted in our culture, I think some of that has actually pushed that back to where I don't feel the same way anymore. It feels different. I read a study the other day that says 90% of Americans still celebrate Christmas. And that's significant. Not all of them celebrate it religiously probably 50-50 on that. But they celebrate Christmas, as we understand, as a tradition and part of the culture. Okay? And then the rest celebrate it as a religious celebration like we would. It's funny, if you read the news, if you kind of looked at just pop culture, you would think, well, that's not true. Christmas is basically kind of marginalized. And, in fact, Lori the other day was calling about some event that was going to happen. She said, well, the, the house is going to have Christmas lights on. And the lady got a little bit kind of reproving and rebuking. Well, you know, not everybody celebrates Christmas. I don't mean to be mean, but, you know, you got to you got to know not everybody celebrates Christmas. It's so, like, well, we know, you know. I know not everybody celebrates Christmas, but the the fact is Pew Research did did a study and said 90% of people still do. And yet it feels like the secularization has kind of beaten some of the spirit out of the observance. And what what I want to say is, I could sit lament and moan about that, okay? That doesn't do a lot of good, okay? What I want to say is, don't let anything beat the spirit of hope out of us. Don't let anything stop us from using this occasion or whatever occasion to stop and say, man, we have a God and he is good. And because of him, we have hope. He's given promises and he always keeps his word. He is faithful. And we should be people whose hope is contagious. Hope is always rooted in a promise. And remember, it alters your vision for the future, which transforms your approach to today. Let's let it transform how we live like now. Second, hope came in the form of a person. Listen to what Jeremiah prophesied along with others. Jeremiah 33, 15, 16. He says, in those days, this is still part of that kind of little section that's called Consolation, Book of Hope. In those days, and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which It will be called the Lord our righteous Savior. He says, God's going to do this and there's going to be a deliverer. They understood this idea. This was not new. They understood. He's talking about Messiah. He's talking about the promised deliverer because almost 150 years earlier, Isaiah had written about him. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. And then these familiar verses, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You've enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. You ever participate in in a harvest of any kind or ever, Paul Galley came up to me just kind of some, the idea of a farming community celebrating the harvest. It's been a lot of hard work, a lot of anticipation, but there's such a sense of celebration in it. As people rejoice at the harvest, or as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder after a great victory. For in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle. Every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And then he says how it's going to be accomplished. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What he's saying is there's going to come one who is going to set things right, and he is our hope. We understand Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise. Let me say to you, um, we can talk about theologically, oh yeah, I know, Jesus is the hope, but yet sometimes we act like the government is our hope. You know, I've already told you I don't need to drag it back up again, but, you know, through, through this whole election process, we saw people losing their minds because it, it's like we think the government is our hope. I hope after this last election, I hope one thing we've realized is, you know what, the government's not our hope. <laughs> this political process is not the thing that's going to save us. I, in fact, you know, if I didn't believe in God, I could think it could be our undoing. Government's not our hope. The economy is not our hope. Politics is not our hope. Our military might is not our hope. Donald Trump is not our hope. Thank God. I mean, I, hey, understand something. I'm, pr- I'm praying for President-elect Trump. I'm praying God does the work of the man's heart. I'm praying that God does something amazing. I'm praying that, that because of that work, he and others in the government will wake up and see and we'll make decisions that are, that, that are helpful to this nation, that release freedom, that release the people of God. I told you, my vote, I always vote religious freedom. That's my deal. Whatever I think is going to help, because I know what the real hope is. The real hope is Jesus Christ. The real hope is what God is doing through his church as we carry the gospel to a world desperately in need. So whatever I think I can help to facilitate and to enjoy and take advantage of that, that's what I'm going to be about. But I know there are people going, oh, great, Donald Trump's president, we're saved. I think that's weird, but if you are delighted about the outcome of the election, God bless you, pray for our president-elect and his, God, and his cabinet, and pray that God be, be glorified. If you are just think the outcome of the election is the most terrible thing you've ever experienced, and America has given up, and America sold its soul to the devil, and if you thought Hillary was the great hope, <laughs> either way, go look in the mirror and say that out loud. Donald Trump's the great hope, and then just look at yourself. Hillary Clinton's the great hope, and then just stare yourself in the eyes. Okay? Do that. If, that, if you're in either of those places, I just want to say to you, that's dead wrong. The good news is neither of those people are our savior, neither of those people can drag us down. And hear me on this, because our hope is not in America. I love America. I do. I'm so grateful for the United States of America. I am. I'm grateful. I recognize throughout church history and throughout history, uh, world history, nations rise and nations fall. And you know what stays the same? God is still on the throne. And he still works. He still has a people. He has a remnant. He has a church. He moves and he works and he delivers. I mean, this whole story, what's so amazing about this story is the Babylonians, this is the time of Nebuchadnezzar. Well, you remember there's another book about some of the people who were actually taken, enslaved in Babylon, the book of Daniel. And you watch what God does through, his, through Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You watch how God uses them. You watch how they, uh, God blesses them and protects them and actually gives them influence. And you realize, oh my gosh, God is bigger in pagan nations, God is bigger than world systems. He's bigger than the economy. And his promise, his deliverance, is not in a government other than the government of Jesus Christ. His promise is in the person of Jesus. In fact, we, we read this scripture at Christmas time, And so, so as to not disappoint. Matthew 1, beginning of verse 20, talking about Joseph. After he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's our hope. That's why we can be people of hope. And I just want to say, Our hope is in Jesus. Because of Jesus, everything that God intended for us is possible. In the same way that God had a destiny for Jeremiah, and he brought it about through his spirit working through Jeremiah, God wants to do that through and in us through Jesus Christ. And you know, the simple gospel is the barrier, the thing that stands between me and God's purpose, me and the the destiny God intended for me, is sin. Bible says crystal clear, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what he's going to save the people from. That's why they didn't recognize him. They thought, and he'll save the people from the Romans. He'll save the people from the liberals. He'll save his people from the conservatives. He'll save his people from the Christians, whatever. Now, he says he'll save his people from their sins. That's what he's going to save us from. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Scripture says the wages of sin is what? Death. The Wages of sin is death. We incurred a death penalty. My sin and your sin. And I'm so glad that scripture doesn't end there. Wages within is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Messiah, the promised one. Eternal life. And here's the cool thing about eternal life. Let me just give you a, a little tip. Okay? Some people consider it fire insurance for after you die. That is absolutely wrong. Eternal life begins today when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. It starts right now. I step from walking in death to walking in life. And in Jesus, I can have that. I don't have to be ridden with guilt. I don't have to be held back by my past. I don't have to be beaten down with shame. I don't have to have any of that. And I don't want to presume, because you're here on a Sunday morning, that everyone here has made a decision to follow Jesus. So I want to just give you a brief opportunity. You can be forgiven and set free in Christ. And I just want to, I want to make that available. It's actually fairly simple. Okay? Notice I didn't use the word easy, because surrendering your life Surrendering your life's direction is never easy. But it is fairly simple. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins so God could completely forgive us, so we could have fellowship with him and he could lead us into the destiny he intended for us. So our part is simply to accept that free gift and invite him to be our savior. So I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. If you've never prayed that prayer, or maybe if you haven't been following Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray with me right now, just quietly between you and the Lord. And let him come into your life and make you new. Scripture says, if anyone's in Christ, it's a new creation. The old is gone, new has come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are our hope. You are the awaited, long-awaited hope of Israel. And Lord, you are the hope for our lives. Lord, I'm a sinner, and um, my sin has hurt you. It has hurt others, and it's hurt me. Forgive me, forgive my sin, Lord. And I thank you for your death on the cross I pray that through your death, my sin's death penalty could be paid. I ask for that gift of salvation. And Lord, I acknowledge my need for you and I I receive that gift. Jesus, come into my life. I pray that you wouldn't just forgive the sins of my past, Lord, but you would come into my life, fill me with your spirit, and lead me into a different kind of future, Lord. I, I want to live the life you created me for. I want, Lord, your best for my life. And so, Lord, I ask for and invite your leadership. Lead me into a different kind of future as I follow you. I thank you that today, because of you, I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I just want to encourage you. If that was something that you prayed, maybe for the first time, or even if you, like I said, hadn't been following the Lord take the little connection card in your bulletin, please fill it out, and just check the little box that says, I committed my life to Christ. You can go take it to the Welcome Center, we have a packet we want to give you, or you can drop it in the offering boxes, and someone will contact you. Just the packet to give you some stuff to say, okay, what now? Because that prayer is not an ending. Some people think, okay, I got the eternal thing taken care of. It's not an ending, it's the beginning. It is the beginning of an absolutely new life following Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you in that. Uh, hope alters your vision of the future which transforms your approach today and if you are now a follower of Jesus Christ um, you are talking you are getting ready for some real transformation and I'm so grateful for that last thing and I'll wrap with this hope changes us in the present hope changes us in the present Hope's always rooted in a promise it comes in the form of a person but it changes us right now in the present and that's obvious I mean just Ryan's response to the chicago cubs and what they were doing and mine i was hedging my bets i wasn't living in hope at all ryan was and that's a kind of funny goofy little illustration of it but it's true it's every area of our life hope leads to entirely different decisions there's a beautiful little illustration in jeremiah by the way in chapter 32 in chapter 32 and this is this is awesome The Babylonians are actually at the gate, as I mentioned. The city's about to fall, and God reveals something to Jeremiah. He says, your cousin, okay, who needs a cousin like this, okay? Your cousin is going to come, and he's going to offer to sell you a field, okay? The whole nation is about to be overrun. But your cousin's going to come and offer to to sell you a field. And God says, I want you to buy it. I'm sure it was probably a pretty good deal at that point. I'm sure real estate in Jerusalem and the surrounding area was not very expensive, okay? Jeremiah 32, 14. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Take these documents, both the sealed and the unsealed copies of the deed of purchase, put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. In other words, I'm sure Jeremiah got a really good deal on that piece of land. And I'm sure if he told his family members, hey, look, cousin Eddie brought me and sold me a piece of land. And I'm sure people thought, like, are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? He sold you a bunch of worthless. Nebuchadnezzar is about to take it all, and that is exactly what happened. But God had said, it's not going to always be that way, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. I'm sure to people around him, when he actually did this transaction, took his own money and bought that piece of land, they thought he was absolutely out of his mind. He's like, but my hope is in the Lord. They thought your hope is crazy. Do you you know, um, that's not just Jeremiah. Do you know, to those who have no hope, those of us who are walking in hope, making decisions based on hope, we seem crazy. You ever thought about that? I mean, we have to understand, we we need not be so hard on our family members or on our neighbors or coworkers who are not believers in Jesus Christ, who do not have the hope that we have. When they look at us and then we begin to give them a reason of the hope that is in us, and they say, say, "I, I don't get it. They at times think we are absolutely crazy because if we really have hope, it changes us. We have to now begin to live based on real hope. Hope is a powerful, even a dangerous thing. Because all of a sudden, when I really am a person of hope, I can't sit on the sidelines anymore. I can't just be an observer, or worse yet, a critic. A lot of people like to sit on the sidelines and be a critic. Yeah, real hope requires you to get in, get in the game, because God says it's going to matter. God says it's going to work out for good. God says the forces of darkness that seem to press in, God says the things that seem to discourage us or depress us, he says those aren't going to have the final word. You are a child of God. You can walk in hope. And so other people aren't necessarily going to understand it. But that's okay. We still need to be people of hope. See, hope alters your vision of the future, which transforms your approach to today. I want to challenge us, River City. We've got to be people of hope. We've got to be a place of hope. We've got to have hope. We've got to speak hope. We've got to live hope. What's your vision For the future based on God's hope in you. And how is that impacting how you behave? Would you say your behavior more aligns with hopelessness or with hope? And I'm not talking about blind optimism. I am talking about a real hope that God is present. He's actually going to, he's present today. He's going to lead me and he's already in my future. And he's going to be present. Is your hope in America? Because America will come and go like other nations. Is your hope in your job, your company? Same thing. Your retirement. People. Our hope is in the Lord, and I want to say that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Let's be people. Just exude hope. Because I I promise you, to the world around us, that is a very attractive, beautiful thing. They are thirsting for real reason for hope, and we have it.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azzaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Finding Hope or this whole series called Expectations, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotoma Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.
1: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church